the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Difference Makers. My name is Mike Lee, Director of Local Ministries for True Talk 800, 93.9 KPDQ, AM 860 The Answer, The New KPAM, AM 1640 The Patriot, 93.1 L Ray and 104.1 The Fish. And it's the June Ministry of the Month, Love Worth Finding Ministries, that we are celebrating all month long. Love Worth Finding with Adrian Rogers is played weekdays at 7 a.m. and again at 7 p.m. on True Talk 800. And it's been airing with our stations since 1996. You can also hear Love Worth Finding Weekend. Sundays at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. on True Talk 800, and again at 5.30 a.m. Sundays on 93.9 KPDQ-FM. And here to tell us all about our ministry of the month, Love Worth Finding, it's Love Worth Finding Ministries CEO, our old friend Carrie Vaughn. Carrie, how are you today, sir? Mike, I'm doing wonderful. I tell you, 22 years with KPDQ, and you guys have been a wonderful journey, and uh, we have many more years to come. We are very much looking forward to it. And the teachings of Dr. Adrian Rogers are simply timeless. So can you talk a little bit about the history and the ongoing legacy of what you're doing with Love Worth Finding Ministries? You know, Dr. Rogers was such a humble, uh, prolific uh, teacher, preacher. And I think even back in the day, as he was the senior pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church and involved in the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, God began to really show him favor when he would preach the Word of God. And I think many laymen would come and say, oh, this is just, you know, these are rich nuggets that we've got to find a way to get on radio and TV. And, and I'll be honest with you, Mike, you know, Dr. Rogers would really shy away from that. He would say, you know, God's called me to be the pastor, and that's a full-time job, and that's where I want to put my focus. And the laity would come back and say, we understand that, we agree with that. But the message is so strong that we have to get the Word of God into the people of God. And so, you know, how do we do that? And and let's look at an entity called Love Worth Finding so that we can enlarge our footprint other than Memphis, Tennessee. And so back in those days, in the early days, the name had been Word for the World. And I think they did a little recon work and figured out there was another ministry that used the name. So they came back, and Dr. Rogers pinned the name Love Worth Finding. Isn't that wonderful? How funny. The name of Love Worth Finding has become legendary. Word for the world? I'm not quite as familiar with that. It doesn't (laughs) ring any bells for me personally. So it's kind of funny how things end up like that. I think for him, he understood that the love of Jesus Christ is the greatest love worth finding. And, and that became that became the essence of the name of the ministry from 1987 until today. So we are celebrating and wrapping up our 31st year, and we just say to God be the glory. Amen to that. Well, there's so many lives that are touched in the Portland metropolitan area and throughout the Pacific Northwest and throughout the world by Love Worth Finding Ministries. 
And we still get the occasional call from someone asking how they can get in touch with Dr. Rogers and say things like, how did he know I needed to hear that today of all days? And we have to respond, hopefully, politely and lovingly and genderly. Like, well, you can talk to him if you receive Jesus and go to heaven. And right. <laughs> as right. for how well, he knew, God must have known because there's no way he could have. <laughs> Well, you mentioned 1996 earlier when we began our partnership, and I will tell you, it was about that time that Dr. Rogers had preached a message, and it was on uh, Christian citizenship, and it dealt with the things going on in America. And so a couple of years ago, we received a phone call, and the lady said, you know, I know that Dr. Rogers is preaching on the current events and what's happening today around our country. And I kind of laughed. I said, well, ma'am, he actually preached it in 1996. It's just so relevant for today, and it is a timeless message, and we know that if God has anointed the Word of God and He has anointed that message, then that message is still anointed today, and so the responsibility that we have is to disseminate it and to distribute the Word of God through radio, TV, internet, social media, and whatever other medium that we can find to proclaim the gospel message. So what are the next steps? You mentioned social media and life beyond simply terrestrial radio, Carrie Vaughn. Yeah, I think for us, it's, you know, with with busy people today, and everybody has a phone in their hand, and everything is instant gratification, and within our fingertips, we can touch the world, correct? And so I think for us, it's saying, look, let's get those messages, let's get those Adrianisms, let's get those um, wonderful takeaways from the Word of God. Let's put them in the hands of people so that they go from the hands to the heart of the individual. And so right now, we have about 250,000 followers on Facebook. We have another 12,000 on Twitter. And we have a strong push with the website so that people can go to the website and it becomes a catch-all for podcasts, for products, to download material so that we can get all this information to the people. Because we know that if I can take a 30-minute sermon and I can give, I can pare that down and get it to a two to three minute snippet. Then the younger generation, the next generation of leaders will listen and God will use it and he will grow his kingdom. I think it's wonderful, Carrie, how you are spearheading what Love Worth Finding Ministries does to perpetuate and spread the eternal word of God in different formats with a world that so needs it. So, for instance, last night I was sitting down with my kids, and they were watching these Vine videos. Are you, are you familiar with Vine oh, at absolutely. all? absolutely. My son's 21, absolutely. So, I'm telling you, I'm sitting through them, and there were just quick five or 15 second long bits done by adults and kids, and I personally didn't find too many of them rip-roaring, gut-wrenchingly funny, but the kids loved it, and they kept quoting them left and right. So you mentioned your Facebook followers and your Twitter followers for Love Worth Finding Ministries. Are you finding that you have to communicate an eternal message in a different way with the younger generation in particular? Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm reminded, you know, when Jesus told Judas, do what you must do quickly. You know, we're trying to look at ways that we can do things quickly, right? And so um, a few years ago, we took a, a sermon and we gave about two minutes on Facebook. And this was the sermon, Mike, where Dr. Rogers talked about there's one hero, Jesus Christ. There's one villain, Satan. Uh, there's one purpose to glorify God. And I'm telling you, just in a few minutes, 
we had over 2 million viewers of that. And it was a reminder to me that even a two to three minute segment of a sermon, God can use in the hearts of people. So to answer your question, absolutely. You know, we believe that Adrian Rogers was one of the greatest pulpiteers of the century. Matter of fact, we we use the term pastor and preacher. I, I think he was a prophet. And so if I believe that, I've got to find creative ways to get it to the people. And so I think you're going to see things like social media and Twitter and Instagram and other things that we can use to invite them into the world of Love Worth Finding, push them to the website, and then from the website, find find different distinctive ways that we can get them engaged with the ministry and engaged with the gospel. And the website for Love Worth Finding Ministries is nice and short. LWF.org. And we, we made it that way. We were intentional in saying, look, we want it to be smooth and simple. But LWF.org, you can go there, and everything you need is there. And so it's a, it's a very clean website. It's a very easy website. Uh, you can donate to the ministry. You can sign up for a volunteer. You can buy products, whatever. But we just feel like we may be the fastest way to reach the most people around the world with the gospel message. That's certainly one way to get to them. We were going over some statistics with our parent company, Salem Media Group, and they were talking about, if I remember correctly, Carrie, about 80 to 90% of the people who look at your individual church's website will never step foot into it. So it's your first impression to a world that wants to know what you're about. So how much more so for a large ministry like Love Worth Finding? So I'm proud of you because you have a beautiful clean, easy-to-use website. I also like your Facebook page at Love Worth Finding Ministries and the fact that you tweet at LWF Ministries. So are there any forms in particular that have stood out to you, Carrie Vaughn, as the CEO of Love Worth Finding, in a way that you're very impressed by it or you're especially touched? You know, I think I think for us, it's we, we hear from the people. You know, they get on the prayer network, they send in prayer requests, they email in constantly, you know, I think for us, what what really, I think, took me back is, Mike, we send out about 24 million emails a year. Now, now, keep in mind, about 19 to 20 million of those emails are the daily devotions that people sign up for, and they go out. And I know that they go out because every morning about 3.30 or 4 in the morning, my phone dings. And so I know that's the love worth finding devotion. But it's amazing to me that Sending this out, 19 to 20 million every every year, you know, with with this message from Adrian Rogers that if people don't receive it, if there's a glitch or their email's not working or something happened, can I tell you they will call here? The, the phone calls I get are when people don't receive the daily devotional. Uh, those are the calls. And so that that was a reminder to me early on in this ministry that we are sending not just rhetoric out there, and we are sending not just what the Baptists say, but we are sending the Word of God put in, in, a, in a format that if you're 9 or 90, you can get it. What a sobering responsibility. I hate being your tech guy and having that kind of weight on his shoulders. Got to make sure everything gets sent out on the email system on time. Otherwise, you're going to hear about it from people across the world, huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, they, and can I tell you something? They don't call to say, hey, I didn't receive my product or, hey, you know, uh, uh, I didn't like the message. We, none of those type calls. The calls are, 
I did not receive my daily devotion. So that tells me that God is using it in the hearts of people. And again, we need to be responsible to make sure that they, they are receiving it in a timely fashion. But it also tells me that it is a it is a message that has been favored by the hand of God. Kerry Vaughn is the CEO of Love Worth Finding Ministries. In addition to that, his long-standing relationship with the late Dr. Adrian Rogers has brought up some wonderful and special stories. So, Carrie, taking off your CEO hat, just as a regular man, as a brother in Christ, as a Christian, have there been any devotionals or words that have stood out to you personally of late from Love Worth Writing? Uh, two things in my life, and, and I'm going to go back to when I was um, when I was an early believer, and I want to go back to when I was on staff with Dr. Rogers. So I, I was saved at nine years of age. Uh, even as a young boy, I quickly realized that there's none righteous, no, not one, and I'm a, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I, I realized that, and, and I, by God's grace, I accepted Him as my Lord and Savior and followed in believer's baptism and started to kind of grow in my walk. But but I didn't grow in, in, in my walk as quickly and as effectively as I wanted to. And there were the high school and college years where I was probably a little stagnant. And then I came to Bellevue, came to Bellevue right out of college uh, as a young man, as a young married man. My wife and I, we started to attend there. We started to grow our family there. And it was when I was about 22 or 23, Mike, that sitting under the tutelage of Dr. Adrian Rogers for the first time in my life, now have have been a Christian since I was nine years old, but for the first time in my life, I felt like I was sitting at the feet of the, of the teacher, and and I started to just walk in the marks of maturity in a way that, man, God just used it, and, and, I, and I was like a sponge. I couldn't receive enough of it, right? And I kept going back for more, and I started to serve in the church. I started going on mission trips. And I started to um, do whatever was asked of me, and that was really a segue into full-time ministry for me. So to make a to give you the Reader's Digest version, I went on staff at Bellevue, uh, had been in the corporate world. God called me on staff, and I served with Adrian Rogers, and he was having his last day with us. This was kind of his last lunch before the big retirement. And he looked at us guys, and he said, you know, let me, let me tell you, gentlemen, you guys are ministers. And he said, the worldly sins will not trip you up. It's, it's not things like stealing or lying or, or murdering. Those things won't trip you up. Those are worldly sins. He said, the things that will that will get you every time are sins of the flesh. And he said, I'm going to name them. Pride and lust. Guard yourselves against pride and lust. Because that's where the devil will come. And, he, and Mike, he went to walk out the door, and he turned around, and he caught the door, and he said, one more thing. You're ministers, but without your family, you have no ministry. Let the focus be your family. And then he left. And that was a spiritual marker for me because I thought, here is a man that I have really matured in my walk with. Now I'm serving on staff with. But the last comment, the last commission, the last charge he gives us is to watch out for pride and lust and to cherish our families because without our family, Mike, we have no ministry. That was the... That was the astute wisdom of Dr. Adrian Rogers. Well, that's that's stuff that people won't typically receive, but that a lot of us have that serve with him. So, 
I think that's important. I mean, how many wonderful teachers and ministries have not kept that in sight? Even here in what I would call a different para-ministry in Christian radio, it's easier to stay at the office and have well-dressed people pat you on the back and tell you what a great guy you are than it is driving the hour home and at times feeling inadequate or underappreciated or overwhelmed by the world. It's easier well, at the office for, for well, a lot of the time. Say this, some you say, no, sometimes the most godliest thing you can do on yeah. a Sunday night is maybe just stay home and be with your family. Now, he wasn't, he wasn't trying to give people a pass to miss a Sunday night, but he was just saying, I mean, your family's got to come first, guys. You can't, you can't serve and, and, and wrap yourself in ministry and never confuse your walk with God with your service for God. And I think that was it. And I think he also knew that for a lot of those guys on staff, a lot of us had came from the corporate world to staff. And Bellevue was a big church at the time. It was 29,000 members and $22 million budget. And he just said, hey, watch out for pride. Watch out for lust. Those are the sins of the flesh. That's where Satan's coming. And I think there's just a lot of wisdom there talking to a group of men that are called to the ministry. Great stories from CEO Carrie Vaughn from Love Worth Finding Ministries. And when we return to Difference Makers, all about June's Ministry of the Month, Love Worth Finding on Difference Makers. Welcome back to Difference Makers. My name is Mike Lee, and we are celebrating our Ministry of the Month for June, Love Worth Finding with Adrian Rogers. Listen to True Talk 800 weekdays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., The show has been here since 1996, and on weekends, don't feel left out. Just tune in Sunday mornings at 9 or Sunday afternoons at 3. We even air it on our sister station, 93.9 KPDQ-FM, Sunday mornings at 5.30. And make sure that you register for some great prizes for our Ministry of the Month. All registrants will be receiving a free download of the Adrian Rogers booklet, How to Share Your Faith. All daily contest winners receive a copy of Adrian Rogers' book, Tapestry, Faith and Forgiveness. And one grand prize winner takes home a complete three-volume set of the Tapestry series, Promises and Prophecy, Hope and Healing, and Faith and Forgiveness, as well as the book Adrianisms. And someone who knows a lot more about Adrianisms than I do is the CEO of Love Worth Minded Ministries, Carrie Vaughn. So, Carrie, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today. And do you have any favorite Adrianisms? Mike Lee, let me tell you, you're my favorite guy at KPDQ. And so uh, you guys have been a faithful partner with us. And uh, I do. I have a favorite quote from Adrian Rogers. And I think it's one that, that really I come back to from time to time. And it's, it goes like this. You don't have to know when, where, or why. Just know that Jesus can move when he moves. I love that. Many times in life or our job, we talk about, well, you know, when, where, or why. You don't have to know that. Just know Jesus and move when he moves. And I think that's a wonderful, wonderful clip from the Adrianism book. I love that. And as someone who's been with Bellevue and with Love Worth Finding for so many years and who's worked directly for so long with Dr. Rogers. Can you tell us what separates him from most of the other pastors we see across the country? Uh, that's a great question, Mike. Many years ago, um, a wise staff person asked Dr. Rogers, what is your greatest strength? And 
Dr. Rogers said, well, I don't, I don't want to answer that because uh, I don't want to sound prideful. And then, and then another person on staff said, I'll tell you what his greatest strength is. Dr. Rogers' greatest strength is integrity. Now, is he a wonderful pastor? Yes. Does he proclaim the Word of God? Absolutely. Uh, is he athletic? Is he, is he, does he have charisma? Uh, you know, wonderful baritone voice. All those are true, and all those, I believe, are, are giftings from God. But what makes him different, what sets him apart, is that he's a man of integrity. And I believe because he was a righteous man, God honored and blessed everything that he touched. That was his greatest strength. And I think because of that, he was such a magnet to business leaders. You know, Mike, years ago, he would have a luncheon on Thursdays, and he would call it the businessman's luncheon. And I'm telling you, people from the Mid-South would come, and they would leave their office at 11 and get there at 1130. They would eat, hear a great message, and they would be 132 getting back to the office. But they didn't mind it because they were sitting and listening to a man that God was using, and he was a magnet to these young business leaders and these young community leaders. And I'm just telling you, they were drawn to the Jesus in him was connecting to the Jesus in them, but the integrity, the integrity and the character was the foundation upon which all that was built upon. So over the years behind the scenes, were there any examples of how Dr. Adrian Rogers just conducted his daily business, which really stood out in your mind, Carrie, when it comes to integrity? Yeah, I think for me, you know, watching him, um, you know, his yay was yay and his nay was nay. And I think it's easy for us to say that. It's easy for us to teach that or preach that. But for Dr. Rogers, he truly lived that seven days a week. And he never wanted to give anybody the impression that he was going to do something, but that he didn't. And he never wanted to overcommit and underdeliver. He was very careful about what he said and how he said it. And he didn't say things to tickle people's ears, and he didn't say things to pacify folks. He said things that he could live up to and he could honor and that he could fulfill. And that was a great picture demonstration for me that, you know, we need to we need to be men of God. And, and when we say or when we state a comment that all we have is our integrity and all we have is our word, and let's stand behind it and let's fulfill it for the glory of God. Mm. And I think he did that to the nth degree, to, to the degree that people would say, this man is different. This man is somebody I want to aspire to be. This man is somebody that I would take three hours a day of my work and go listen to. That is what we're talking about. And that, I believe, was the core value of Adrian Rogers. And it wasn't simply the fact that he was a brilliant theologian and teacher and shepherd with Love Worth Finding, Carrie, but the fact that it was the Word of God spoken very well through him that really touched these people's lives and stood out differently. Well, absolutely. He, he would tell us jokingly, you know, we would take trips, you know, the staff would go different places with the buses and that type of thing. He said, now listen, you know, when we go to these other cities for conferences or for events or exhibits or missions, whatever we're doing, just remember, the name of Bellevue Baptist Church is on the bus. But also remember, my name's on the bus. And so we represent God and we represent me and the church, and we want to live up to that, that standard of excellence when it comes to integrity. 
And that filtered down to all of us on staff. I mean, we, we took ownership in that. We we took pride in a good way in that. That's what we're talking about. I remember one time, Mike, we were recording Dr. Rogers, and um, the producer said, okay, we're going to film your segment here in this studio, and then we're going to edit and splice the other person that's going to be in the video with you. They're out west, but we're going to splice them in. And so you need to answer the questions as though the person is sitting right next to you. And Dr. Rogers said, but the person's not next to me. And the producer says, oh, I know that, but we're going <laughs> to we're gonna edit, we're going to splice, we're going to make it work. And Dr. Rogers said, no, you, you're not hearing me. He's not, he's not in the room. And finally, the light bulb went off with this producer, and he realized that Adrian was not going to do anything that would give somebody the idea that it wasn't true. Now, to some, that may be silly, but to him, he was living a life of integrity. So how do we get that message of integrity out to a younger generation, which often has a much shorter attention span? You've got these endless, uh, timeless messages from Dr. Adrian Rogers, but what formats can we push them forward through so that the millennials and younger can be so richly and profoundly touched by a message of integrity? Yeah, I mean, my son is 21, and I ask him all the time, you know, how, how can I get it to you, son, so that you'll take time and, and listen to it and, and read it and meditate on it and use it in your life? And he said, Dad, you know, get it to me in some type of electronic format. Get it to me so that it's real time, so that I can I can look at it as I'm, you know, on my way to class or, or throughout the day, or I can go back to it. Get, get it to me so that I've got it at my fingertips, Right. And so I'm all the time picking his brain because he is the next generation. And so I think as we maximize social media, as we look at digital marketing, as we look at always beefing up the website, you know, the website, as soon as you finish an upgrade on the website, it's too late. You know, we're always in upgrade mode because technology changes. There was a time, Mike, where technology would change every two to three years. Now it changes every two to three months. And so we have to be savvy. We have to be cutting edge. And we're going to continue to do that. And we've asked our donors to come alongside us and help us to do two things. To preserve the legacy of, of Love Worth Finding, and that means radio, TV. That's the bread and butter. That's that's the bedrock. But also to help us with the next generation with technology and so that we can get this word of God into the hands of people. And we're going to do that. And we're going to do that with tenacity. Because I truly believe it is a rich, anointed Word of God that when these young folks listen to it, God will use it. To answer your question, the Word of God is like a lion. It will defend itself. Matter of fact, Isaiah 55.11 says, My Word will not return void. It will accomplish that which I please, and it will prosper wherever I send it. So our responsibility at Love Worth Finding is to turn it loose. We don't have to protect it. We don't have to... We don't have to propel it. We don't have to preserve it. We just need to turn it loose and let God use it. What a wonderful way to use the resources that you have in this modern world, Carrie Vaughn, with Love Worth Finding Ministries. And it's also a beautiful thing that you're a father and you've got a built-in pair of ears in your son in his 20s to be able to bounce ideas off of to reach this next generation. Oh, absolutely. Well, and for him, you know, he was born in 1997, so he grew up at at Bellevue. And so Dr. Rogers was his pastor growing up. So to have him, you know, under that umbrella of the Adrian Rogers ministry, so to speak, 
and then able to go to him now that he's 21 and a college student and say, hey, tell me what you're thinking. Tell me how I can play to you better. How can we tweak it? How can we revise it? It's wonderful because we do want to be relevant, and we want to be relevant for all ages, and I believe we've got that. I believe that's the special sauce with Love Worth Finding, that, again, if you're 9 or 90, you're going to understand the Word of God, and God's going to pierce the heart, and He's going to draw all men to Him. So would you call that actually the real full mission or true north of what Love Worth Finding is all about? Absolutely. You know, Love Worth Finding, it's a very simple mission, right? Uh, To introduce people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's first and foremost. Secondly, we're going to do that by, by ways that I've already mentioned, radio, TV, social media, internet, and anything else that we can deem as a medium, we're going we're gonna to use. And then thirdly, we also want to move believers in maturity and ministry. A lot of folks call here and say, hey, I'm saved, but I'm listening to the love worth finding, or I'm on your website because I'm looking for discipleship pieces. I'm looking for things that will that I can use from a discipleship mentorship standpoint. So we understand that. So we we understand that we can introduce people to Christ. We understand that we can move people towards Christ. That's the discipleship piece. And then here's the third piece, Mike. We understand that we're the church. We're the first window for many people. I had I had two wonderful ladies that lived in Florida that were homebound and we were their church to the degree that when they passed away they asked me to officiate the funeral because they had no pastor. Love Worth Finding was the church. We were the pastor. We were their family, and we played a part in their lives. That's wonderful that you reached them so profoundly through Love Worth Finding Ministries. So, Carrie Vaughn, as CEO, before we wrap things up, you mentioned enjoying being a father at this stage of life. So what did Dr. Rogers teach you that helped you in your parenthood? I think Dr. Rogers taught me that for me to be an effective and efficient father, that first and foremost, I had to realize that I had a heavenly father that not only loved me, but he sent his son as the ransom or to pay that sin debt for me. But also, I had a father that had prepared a future for me, as it talks about in Jeremiah, that I can't even fathom. And so as I learned to be committed to the Heavenly Father, it's also a lesson learned for me that I need to lead my children in a way that they are committed to me. And he also showed me that uh, being a father is truly, as I said earlier, a calling from God. That before we're called to be a pastor, we're called to be an executive pastor or a leader in parachurch ministries, we're first called to God himself, number one. But secondly, as men, we're called to be husbands, right? And we need to love our wife as though God loves the church. As a matter of fact, I heard a pastor the other day say, we need to love our wife as much as we would want God to love us. That's a powerful statement. That I'm going to love my wife in a way and treat her in a way that I want God to love me and treat me. And then the other piece of that is, is that as a father, that I have a responsibility there. And I have to make sure that my children see the Jesus in me and that my children look at dad as the pace setter. You know, we like to stick our chest down and say, hey, we're the spiritual leader of the home. But what that means is we're the quarterback. 
So we, we get the criticism if the ball game goes wrong. And if we lose, we definitely get the criticism. But we also have the leadership responsibility to make sure that the wife and the children are following us. We're the pace setter. And so they're going to follow. So so goes the dad, so goes the family. And that's the one thing he showed me is that we are the pace setters and that my wife and my children, their testimony is only going to be as strong as my testimony. Sobering and inspiring words from the CEO of Love Worth Finding Ministries, our Ministry of the Month. Thank you so much for joining us today, Carrie Vaughn. Mike, I just want to thank you for your time today. I, I cannot tell you that the relationship with you and the station and the staff there at KPDQ uh, has been a long-term journey, one that we do not take for granted. And I can tell you that for us, that through radio and through partnerships like you, we're able to reach the people of God with the Word of God, people that we've never met, people we've never heard from, people that we cannot put a face with a name. And so you, Mike, and the staff, uh, you guys allow us to use the venue of KPDQ to really reach the world. And so I know a lot of times we say, well, you're on 3,000 radio stations and 10,000 TV stations, but at the end of the day, that's not it. You guys are like family, and you have been a wonderful family to love worth finding for 22 years. And I just wanted to say thank you not only for today in this interview, but thank you for being used by God and being a friend to love worth finding. God bless you, and I think the best days are ahead. Truly a privilege. Thanks so much, Carrie. Follow Love Worth Finding Ministries on Facebook, on Twitter, at LWF Ministries, and do check out their website and find out how you can help the ministry out at lwf.org. That's lwf.org. Jeff Allen next on Difference Makers. This is Difference Makers. My name is Mike Lee, Director of Local Ministries for True Talk 800, 93.9 KPDQ, AM 860, The Answer, The New KPAM. AM 1640, The Patriot, 93.1 El Rey, and 104.1 The Fish. Looking for laughs this Saturday night, the 16th. We've got a very special surprise in store for you. It's Jeff Allen's Clean Comedy Night for the whole family. It'll be held at East Hill Church in Gresham. Jeff Allen has been featured at the most prestigious comedy venues in the world, including the Grand Ole Opry, the U.S. Comedy Arts Festival in Aspen, and a whole lot more. And tickets are still available and will be sold at the door beginning at 6 p.m. this Saturday night. So, Jeff Allen, welcome to Difference Makers, and thank you so much for joining us. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great, man. Yourself? I have no complaints. Everybody has complaints. Go ahead. Uh, I'm here for you, man. Okay. I'm here for you. If I'm on the hour live, one hour per calendar week, my wife or kids will find a reason to call up in the middle of the show, which is why I say, let's make sure our ringers are off or phones off all, right. all together. But how blessed we are to have been married 22 plus years now, and she still survives me and puts up with me. So for that, I am a blessed man. But anyway. Yes, you are, man. So, Jeff... You've been around the block quite well in the comedy scene, so congratulations for a long-standing career where you haven't had to lean on some of the more vulgar side, but you still manage to be funny. Is that a difficult balance for you personally? Well, I didn't start out that way. I uh, started out the uh, first 15 years, I guess, just doing clubs and casinos, and uh, I tried uh, 
to be Richard Pryor, but it, uh, it didn't work out too well for me. You know, Shakespeare once said to thine own self be true, and it really wasn't until uh, I started cleaning things up that things started to work um, for me. It's amazing that, uh, you know, God gave us this wonderful language and uh, how little of it is used in comedy. You know, if you get a thesaurus out, it's uh, it's amazing what you can do with it, you know. Sure. So were you always aspiring to get into comedy? Who were some of your earlier influences besides, say, Richard Pryor? Uh, Cosby um, and then uh, probably Carlin uh, in uh, high school. And uh, I, I, I just I was working for a company and someone told me about a comedy club. Uh, this is back in 1978. So there weren't a lot of comedy clubs. And, and I went in one night and got hooked. And uh, it took me a few months to work up the courage to try comedy and uh because i wanted to do it so bad i didn't i didn't want to fail at it and of course i did and it was awful uh the first couple times i didn't know who, if i was a sadist or a masochist but somebody in that room was getting punished a lot <laughs> i was up on that stage and uh anyway i was hooked i just i, I knew once i got over the stage fright uh, I could probably do this, and it, it took me a lot. Of, it took me a number of years, really, and then uh, it really wasn't until I gave my life to Christ that I think I found my true voice. Um, and I had been at it for pretty close to twenty years when that happened. So it, it is finding your voice, I guess, is the key. So growing up, were you the the class clown, the funny kid in school? Well, I don't know, but the word obnoxious came up a lot in parent-teacher conferences, you know, um, I think. Uh, nobody was shocked, uh, believe me, when I, when, you know, when they find, if they knew me growing up, if they find out what I'm doing for a living today, they, nobody goes, really? You were so, you know, you were such a wallflower. No, I wasn't. So, so it fit yeah. your personality pretty well. Can you remember the first time, Jeff Allen, where you came off that stage and it was confirmed in your heart that you knew, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you were in the right place, and that comedy was your niche. I could tell you, the first time I got a big laugh, I was probably two or three open mics into it, and um, I delivered a line one night, and it got a laugh. I mean, a big one, and I was hooked. I mean, that was wow. And then um, you know, it just uh, there's nothing like it. You know, and then when Bill Gaither picked me up uh, when I got to Nashville for a show, I had never worked in front of fifteen thousand people. I was, you know, coming out of comedy clubs where you was two, three hundred people, and then to deliver a joke in front of fifteen thousand, where they all laugh, it was like it made the hair on my neck stand up. It was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. <laughs> so uh, it's it's intoxicating when it's right, and it's also very very young. Dismembering when it's not good, it really takes takes you apart. So your highs are very very high, but your lows are incredibly low. Right, and I've gotten consistent enough over the years to where there's very few times where it's low. But um, I've I've had them, you know, in the last few years, but it's rare anymore. You know, people uh, people that hire me now know what I do, so they know their audiences, and they don't bring me in normally uh, in front of people that don't wouldn't understand or uh, get appreciate what I do. So that's the, the blessing of being around for almost 40 years, you know. How wonderful. So how was it working with Bill Gaither? 
Well, I didn't know who he was. I, I did a show in front of 30 people in, a, in the Belmont Mansion at Belmont University so, uh, for the Christ Presbyterian Choir. Somebody had asked me, you know, they saw me somewhere, and they go, would you be willing to do it? And I, I, I had attended Christ Presbyterian a few times, so I said, sure, man, no problem. So anyway, one of the guys there was one of Bill Gates' good friends. So he waits around, he comes up to me, and he goes, uh, I work with a guy named Bill Gates, and I go, who's that? He goes, you never heard of him? I go, no. He goes, wow, this is going to be better than I thought. Um, anyway, I had lunch with Bill, and I came home and told Tammy, my wife, I said, I think I just had lunch with the old John of Gospel Music. Um, anyway, he, he described the praise gathering as a little gathering they, get, they do once a year, and I, we had no clue. We had no clue. We walked in. Uh, just naive, and uh, it just blew me away. I'd never, again, had been in front of that many people. Been, I've never been. I've never been to a convention. I've never, you know, um, everything was, you know, casinos and nightclubs. You know, so uh, it was eye opening. And he was just um, great to uh, to work with. Uh, when we would travel, we would do the Bible studies on Saturday mornings. And, uh, you know, to work with all those. As a matter of fact, I just did a show at the comedy club here in Nashville last week, and a couple people came out were singers with the vocal band, and uh, you know, I've developed lifelong friendships with these people. Oh, that's wonderful. Do you have any good yeah, stories from the road with the Gaither entourage? <laughs> no. Again, I not being raised in the church, not being raised with gospel music, um, I, I was surprised that. Uh, and how popular it was. Again, now the understanding is now that when you die and get to heaven, uh, you get through the gates. It's all Southern Gospel. That's what I was told. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> oddly enough, here in the Pacific Northwest, the Southern Gospel shows tend to do very, very well, which I didn't expect yeah. being a New Yorker. And comedy has really picked up, especially in the last several years. So are there other comedy right. acts that you see today that you personally find funny, Jeff Allen? Yeah, Brian Regan's probably my favorite. Yeah, he, he makes me laugh hard. And, and Gaffigan, they both make me laugh hard. Well, that's good to know, that you are yeah. enjoying other people's comedy outside of your own, Jeff Allen. So let's yes. uh, change gears here. Can you tell us where you grew up? Chicago, South Side. And how was it for you? Tell us about your family life, if that's okay. Uh, it was, well, I grew up actually in the suburbs of Chicago, a small town, a little, uh, Rome wasn't built in a day, but South Village, Illinois was probably, um, (laughs) and, um, a lot of, um, well, a lot of drugs and alcohol, you know, and, uh, that's kind of the path I took when I got out of college and, um, I, I started comedy at 22, so between 18 and then I quit drinking at 30, 31, so those 12 years. But uh, uh, I haven't been back to my little little town in decades, actually. Uh, I couldn't wait to get out of there, actually. You know? So I, I played a lot of baseball, I guess, uh, in there. And, and it's funny, my wife and I were talking about this. She grew up in a small town as well. And uh, we migrated when we got to Nashville to a very similar town the two of us we wanted to raise our kids kind of where we were comfortable i i i liked playing in the streets i liked playing out after dark i liked the fact that the neighbors knew your business i didn't care for much growing up but as a parent it's nice to know that 
people know you and they know your kids. And, you know, I was getting my hair cut when we first moved here. And uh, some guy comes into the barber shop where I'm getting my hair cut. And he says, hey, Bobby, is there school today? He said, of course there's school. He goes, then what's your boy doing at the food line? <laughs> so <laughs> the guy leaves me in the chair and he goes up to the food line and drags his kid back. And he said, we're going to talk when I get done cutting this man's hair. And uh, I thought, I like this. I really do. I like this. So where did you meet your wife? Where did I meet her? She was a waitress at a comedy club. And uh, she had this beautiful laugh in the back of the room. Uh, she was a smoker at the time. And I don't care what anybody says, but smokers have the best laugh. When you can't get oxygen into your lungs, that's music to a comic's ears, man. So I heard her gagging in the back. And uh, I just went back off stage and immediately asked who she was. And they pointed her out. She had a two-year-old son when I met her. And, uh, I was living in LA. She was living in Ohio. And, um, probably four months later, I asked her to marry me five months later. Well, um, that's fantastic. Well, yeah, I wouldn't recommend it, but, uh, it, it worked out <laughs> you know, now without its problems. But, uh, I asked her to marry me at Cleveland airport baggage claim because romance courses through every vein in my body. She said yes. And she had no idea the baggage that she was picking up in me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so, the marriage has lasted, so praise God for that, Jeff Allen. Yep, 32 years in July. And when did your faith become a factor in your life? Well, I started in a 12-step program as an atheist, and uh, they told me to pray, and I said, to what? And uh, they said, anything, make it a higher power. So anyway, that started me on a journey. I had never read a book in my life and I was 31 years old and married and had two kids. And, uh, I went to a therapist at one point because my rage had gotten so out of control. She put road less traveled in my hand, Scott Peck's book. And, um, I started reading voraciously trying to find whatever that higher power was and did it exist? I, I didn't understand that whole thing. It took me seven or eight years, really. I went through Buddhism. I went through New Age. I went through all that stuff, and nothing ever lasted. I, the best way I can describe it is God had given me the spiritual thirst, and uh, I didn't know how to quench it. And uh, But I kept seeking. I was a seeker, and I looked, honest, honestly looked. And the discussions I would have, you know, people, because I was miserable, you know, and, well, you, you, you're just like, you don't have a higher power. And I go, well, what is that? And they go, well, it's whatever you want it to be. And I go, look, if I'm making up a deity that makes me delusional, doesn't it? I mean, I, I get it. I mean, I understand, honestly, that God exists or he doesn't. There, there's really no middle ground in that. So I just needed to know if God existed. And if he did, then what, what does that look like? Or what does it feel like existentially? So Anyway, I finally given up on, on the God thing. I got into Ayn Rand and uh, was into humanism. And I figured if that's the answer, then I'll just, I'll, I'll find a philosophy that works for me. And I ran into a guy on the road that um, was uh, a born again, uh, evangelical, uh, went to a very devout uh, Bible teaching church in Denton, Texas, Denton Bible Church, Pastor Tommy Nelson. And uh, through our conversations that week, um, he gave me, he signed me up for Tommy's um, tape ministry. And I collected Bible tapes for about a year and a half before I actually opened one up and listened to it. And the, uh, coincidentally, the first one, my wife was leaving me at this point, and um, our marriage was failing. Uh, my, I was bankrupt financially. I mean, I was really kind of in a great position to, to hear the gospel because, and especially 
the first tape I opened up was Ecclesiastes. And when I heard meaningless, meaningless, and it's all meaningless, and then you hear one, three, I think Ecclesiastes one, three, the eyes never get enough of seeing, the ears never get enough of hearing. I knew uh, when Pascal talked about that God-shaped hole, I, I knew I couldn't stuff anything of, of, of this earth in there to give me a lasting meaning. I knew that was my quest, was really just to find meaning and something that lasted. And, 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 and um, anyway, I was exhilarated by the book of Ecclesiastes. I ended up ripping open all these envelopes looking for Ecclesiastes tapes. And then when I got through all of that, um, you know, ultimately, I think it was the, the Genesis 1-1, when I heard the sermon on Genesis, where in the beginning, God, I mean, I, it broke me. I knew, I knew at that moment there was a God. And I called my friend up, and we had kept the friendship going for that year and a half. And, and the beauty of our relationship was that he really never asked me. You know, um, I, I sent you Bible tapes, so you listened to him. Um, we would talk about what guys talked about, sports and politics and all this stuff. And eventually it turned around to the marriage. And he'd say, you know, like, we pray for you and your wife. And I'd go, great. It really meant nothing to me. And, but that's, I, and I think about what he did for, for my family by by that prayer. Every night at dinner, they, they, he said we had a list of 10 people whose families we prayed for. And um, me and Tammy were one of them. And um, I, I said, yeah, that's great. And uh, anyway, I call him up. I mean, I'm sobbing because now I believe there's a God and I'm scared to death. He goes, you got a problem with that? I go, how about blasphemy? You know, I mean, I've been cursing, you know, the God of the universe for decades, my whole life. And why would he want me? And he says, have you gotten to the cross? And I go to the cross. He goes, ah, I can't ruin the ending for you, man. You know? And, uh, anyway, I started listening to tapes on the new Testament and, um, the cross of Christ and what was done. And, uh, the prodigal son really just tore me to shreds, uh, but it also exhilarated me knowing that that the Father of the Universe will greet me with open arms. And um, you know, I do, I literally gave my life to Christ. And to put that in perspective, is it'd be like going, I guess, driving a seventy-four Yugo into a Lamborghini dealership and telling the dealer, "I'll trade you even up, and I'm offering you this." You know, just, so anyway, I just accepted Christ as who he claimed to be. That was my prayer. I look, if you are who you claim to be, then I'm yours. And um, we'll see if there's a change. And um, it's been 22 years, and uh, something changed on that day. That's all I know. Something changed. I'm a different man. And we're glad to hear that. Jeff Allen is one of the top performers on the comedy scene, and we've got him this Saturday night. Won't you join us at East Hill Church in Gresham? Tickets are still available and will be sold at the door starting at 6 p.m. this Saturday night to see the wonderful, amazing, and funny Jeff Allen. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening to Difference Makers. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.